What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rayfield Davis podcast. Today we're joined by a special guest, uh, Big Ten analyst, former Northwestern superstar, over fifteen hundred points. Uh, Trey Demps, everybody. What's up, Trey? What's good, bro? How you doing? Appreciate you having me on, man. Nah, I can't complain. First of all, congrats on the new role. How you liking being an analyst? Man, it's cool, man. It's it's a learning curve, as you know, man. It's uh. You know, it's, it's one of those things you kind of just got to coach yourself. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm having a lot of fun with it. You know, it's very synonymous with being a player, man. So, yeah, man, I'm enjoying it. It's a blessing. What's been something that you have to adjust to that you didn't think about going into it? Ooh, man, that's a good question, man. I think just how, like, the day-in, day-out grind of staying on top of the league. I think that's something that I didn't necessarily think about. Cause you know, you think like you're a basketball fan. I watch basketball, but it's a different type of grind. You know what I'm saying? On a, on a Tuesday night at eight o'clock, you got to catch Nebraska and Penn state. You know what I mean? Like, no, no offense to those teams, obviously. But honestly though, any team, like, you know, you got kids too, you know, it's like six o'clock game, you know, Maryland's playing Wisconsin. You got to put your kids down. You got to pause the game. You know, stuff like, you know, it's just like the day in and day out stuff of like trying to balance everything. And, you know, a lot of people that work in this field got other stuff going on. You know, I'm in school right now. So it's like trying to balance those things and making sure that you're staying on top of the league. I would say that's probably the biggest thing. That's dope. And when watching a league, what surprised you about the Big Ten this season? Anything stand out? I mean, I think two teams that come to mind, I think Rutgers, man, I had them winning six games in the league. Like I put together like a little, little like uh, standings before a uh, big 10 players started. I, I just didn't think they had the offensive firepower. And then I just felt like defensively they were super inconsistent, but I mean, just seeing what Steve Peichel has done with this team over the course of the big 10 season, seeing guys like Paul McKay, he emerged. I mean, it's, it's been a ton of – that's, like, probably my favorite team to watch because they get it done on both ends. Like, they got playmakers, you know, guys who can create their own shot. And then on the defensive end, they're gritty. They get after you. So, I would say Rutgers for sure. And then, I'll be, I would say Maryland. You know, that was a team that, you know, I watched – for some reason, I watched a lot of Fats Russell play last year um, at Rhode Island. I feel like all their games were on ESPN. Um, I just thought with him and Eric Ayala – uh, Caduce Wahab, I thought they would be a little bit better. You know, obviously losing your coach is never easy, but uh, I, w- I would say that's like the disappointing team uh, thus far in the, in the league. And when you look at the top of the standings, you got Purdue, and I know a lot of our listeners are going to want to hear about Purdue, then Illinois, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Does, do, or is it a close race, or does Purdue separate itself? What do you think? I think I think – I would say Purdue and Illinois separate themselves. Um, I would say, you know, for Purdue, I think obviously offensively, I mean, from what I watch them, they're one of the best offensive teams you could say in the last five years, you know, obviously number one in efficiency this year. Um, I just think they just have too many guys who can make shots. I think with Mason Gillis and Eric Hunter now stepping up offensively, being efficient three point shooters, you get them in space, you know, Jaden Ivey obviously is one of the most explosive players in college basketball. And then you got the big boys down low. I, you know, I just think offensively, man, like 
it's really it's almost impossible to guard them. And you see night in and night out teams trying different stuff, presses, zones, you know, just to try to mix it up. Because if you play this team man to man all game, man, it's it's trouble, man. Like it's it's really trouble. Um, but I also like Illinois. You know, I think um, I was a little bit concerned about what they had with their guards. You know, I, th- I just felt like they had too many guards and that one of them might have to come out of the rotation. But it seems like those guys are willing to sacrifice and buy in. Um, but, yeah, I think overall that that concept right there is going to be huge because there's there's guys on both of those teams. If you put them on other teams, you put them on Penn State, you put them on Northwestern, they could average 15 to 20 points a game. But they're having to sacrifice roles, you know, average around seven to ten points. So I think that's going to be key for both of those teams down the stretch. With Purdue and going into the Big Ten tournament, finishing the season out, what do you think their ceiling is? And what would stop them from getting there? Ooh, I, you know, I would say defensively, you know, like, because here's the thing, like, if you get both Edie and Williams in foul trouble, and then all of a sudden you don't have that, you know, that option to throw the ball inside, you know, when you're struggling to get a basket, and then you go up against a team in the tournament that's got bucket getters, you know, some of these teams on the West Coast, uh, Pac-12, WCC, all that, you get one of those teams in the second round, I think it could be trouble, but I think, I mean, they, they could win it all, man. They can win the Big Ten, Big Ten tournament. They can win the national championship. I just think, yeah, I, I would say defensively, they have to be more consistent. There's times where they just have lapses. And I feel, I've, when I've watched a little bit more. I feel like when Jaden Ivey locks in on the defensive end, like it just brings an energy to the entire team. And so I think that's going to be something to watch for Purdue fans is what he does on the defensive end. Because there's times where he doesn't play no defense. And I mean, I understand. I mean, you're 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 a star. And a lot of it too, I said this on Twitter the other day, like you can get away being so athletic, kind of being lazy, because you can make up for it with your athleticism. So I would say that watching him on the defensive end, just them as a defensive team overall is something to watch for. Man, no doubt. And just still staying with Purdue, how would you guard Purdue? Say you're a coach, you're Coach Collins in Northwestern, how are you checking Purdue? You know, like I, I would, I would, you got to switch something up. Like if I got a seven footer at the end of the bench that never plays, he's going to get 25 minutes. <laughs> like that, like you got to, you got to do something different. Um, Cause like Northwestern has a center, Matt Nicholson, like Matt Nicholson, like you got to be ready to play against Purdue in Illinois. And we'll go, I mean, with Purdue, it's like use all five of your fouls you know, do what you got to do. Just make, make things difficult for them, get them tired. And so I would do that. You know, I would mix defenses up. I think you have to, I would press. I, I would, I might just mix up defenses every time down the court, you know, man-to-man press, zone press, zone uh, half-court defense, man-to-man half-court defense switching it. Like I would just try to get Purdue out of rhythm because I think that's the only chance you really have. No, no doubt, no doubt, makes sense. And when you think about Illinois, you think about the guard play. You think they could get to a Final Four with Kofi? I, I think they can. I, I just worry, man, like, you know, with Trent Frazier, you know, I think having too many guards, you know, around him can – because he's a guy, you know, that, that could be really good on the offensive end. And I feel like um, since Curbelo's gotten back, there's there's been some games where he's had, you know, those three or 12 nights. 
you know, so I I personally think one of those guys has to go out the rotation. And in reality, it's probably Curbelo, you know, unfortunately, even though he might be the most talented player. Um, but I, I just think it's too it's too crowded because Grandison almost plays as a guard. You know, he likes to handle the ball some. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say I think Underwood has to get one of those guys out of the rotation. But, yeah, I think I think they're a final four team for sure. They have the potential. Um, this is great. Like, I feel like with Purdue and Illinois, if you play like a best at three series in the NCAA tournament, I feel like they would be a lock for the for the final four. But because it's one and done. You know, you just, you know, college basketball, man, you just never know when March Madness comes. That's true. And when you think about the players in the league, if you had to pick uh, right now five first team, who are you going? I'm going Ivy, Murray, Davis, Liddell, and Kofi. I think that's. That's my five. I think uh, Trace Jackson Davis falls out just because of the team, you know, being, uh, I believe, seven to nine now in league. Um, I don't think that you can put him over a guy like Keegan Murray, who's ahead of them in the standings. Um, and Indiana was expected to finish higher than Iowa this year. So I, that would be my five. And player of the year is who? I would say Kofi, I, you know, it's tough. I think Ivy really made a surge, kind of, you know, about a week ago, you know, um, had a great game last game, but the two previous games before that, you know, kind of uh, struggled from the field. But I mean, with Keegan Murray too, I mean, he's starting to, you know, it, it's tough, but I would say Keegan, I mean, uh, Kofi has been the most consistent, you know, game in and game out and their team is winning consistently as well so I think it's he has the uh, advantage because of the full package in that no doubt and I see you pushing on Twitter with Northwestern just kind of getting them to understand that any postseason is a good season what's going on at Evanston with Northwestern right now man it's tough man um you know they they, they go up against Minnesota it's a must-win game and you know they have the travel issues um, you know, they get there the morning of game day, which is always tough, you know, as a player. Um, but, you know, that, that loss was unacceptable still. I think with that being said, um, to lose like that against Minnesota, when you know that you have a favorable last five games, an opportunity to finish at 500 in the league, um, you know, they still have an opportunity. I think they could win all four of these games down the stretch. At Iowa will be tough, but the other – Three games are definitely, definitely winnable. Um, yeah, I, I would say you probably need 10 wins in, in all to, to secure an NIT spot. And so you got to probably win one in the uh, Big Ten tournament as well, if not two. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, Northwestern has only made it to one postseason, I believe, in the last 10 years, you know. So that's why I'm just trying to get relay that message. Like, it's not tournament or not, like, it's building blocks, you know. You get to an NIT, obviously you had a disappointing year, you know, COVID affected everybody, injuries affected everybody. And then the following year, you know, maybe there's a guy in the transfer portal who sees the building blocks happen you know, and wants to come to Northwestern or, you know, recruiting wise, you know, it just, it just helps for the longevity of the program. And, uh, 
you know, I, I really hope uh, starting tonight that they could finish the season off well. What do you think they need to do more of or especially because you get a team that's been in so many close games and just haven't been able to pull them out. What do you think is that step they need to take? I would say consistency, man. Like when you when I watch Northwestern on the defensive end, especially like I think right now they're they're second to last in, in uh defensive three three point field goal percentage. But like when you watch them play, like they could physically match up with almost anybody one through four. You know, obviously at the five position, you know, it's you got the most dominant bigs in all of college basketball, but one through four. They match up with everybody in the league. And so there's no excuses for, you know, being taken advantage of on the defensive end. And I think a lot of that just has to go with focus, preparation. Um, so I would, I would just like to see them play consistently on the defensive end. You know, obviously everyone talks about the guard play and offensively and shot selection with Boo Boo and Chase Adige. But I feel like overall that's improved. Um, and I don't think that's being talked about enough. I think we kind of just continue in this narrative, like, oh, they take bad shots. They take bad shots. Part of it is they need to because they just don't have the other pieces offensively around them. So I, I think it's more the defensive end and the consistency there. That makes sense. And with Pete Nance, how good is Pete Nance? You know, he he's a very, very talented player. Um, there, there's no – denying that and he's a mismatch nightmare and, and when he's confident you know he can be as effective as pretty much any player in the league um you know the, and it's okay when I say this he's not a he's not a killer he's not a guy that's gonna go hunting his own shot you know that's just not that's not his game he's more of a team-oriented player he likes to get guys involved he's a great passer um you know, I think I think it's going to really bode well at the next level, too. You know, I think uh, just as a role player, a guy that can knock down shots, I think he'll have an opportunity to, to be a really good player at the next level. Not everybody has that, you know, killer in them, you know, in terms of and, I, and I'm, he's an aggressive player. And he's 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 a very good player. But I just like that, just that killer instinct. And um, I, that's probably one area I would want to see him improve. Uh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Because because you, you talk about the dominant fives that he has to guard, it's something mm -hmm. that you can always flip on the offensive end. But you don't see – you see it. You see flashes of it. So I think he's right. one of the most skilled players in the league. But it's just like it could stretch Zach Eady out to the perimeter and go around him every time or pick and pop yeah. whenever you want. So, right. I and I should say he's improved. I, I You know, I spoke to his position coach, uh, Brian James. I mean, there was a point – earlier in his career where like they didn't think he could be a player at all so I think you got to give him credit he's put in the work he's got himself into a position to now where we're talking about like man can he be you know one of the elite bigs in the conference I still would put him as like a second tier big but I mean to even for him to be in that second tier I think is a is a credit to him yes yeah, in the big 10 that's still a credit in the big 10 especially right 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 so for you Obviously, you're going to Northwestern, but you come from California. How do how does Northwestern get trade dims from California? Like, explain that. So, yeah, so I, I went to high school in Texas. And uh, so I, I lived the first 15 years of my life with my mom in California, moved to Texas with my dad, who was with the Spurs at that time. And uh, that's a funny story. I 
would always go up to pre-draft camp um, in Chicago um, with my dad pretty much. I'd go a lot, even when I wasn't living with him, you know, during that May, May time, um, just stay with him, chill in Chicago. And um, that year, I think it was my junior year or sophomore year. I can't remember. No, it was my junior year. Um, I, I played pickup at uh, DePaul and I played pickup at Northwestern. And at that time I was being recruited pretty much by, you know, mid-major schools. Like I had a lot of mid-majors in the West Coast, San Francisco, University Pacific. You know, I, I didn't have any high major offers at that point. And so I played uh, pickup at Northwestern. I played really well. Um, you know, they're not supposed to watch, but I, I think they were watching. Uh, <laughs> I, that rule makes no sense. But, uh, you know, at that time they didn't offer me, but after my first tournament that that live period they offered me and that was that was the bit the first power five school that really wanted me and you know I felt needed so that it, it just kind of made sense that makes sense obviously your team one of your teams is the team that put us in last place in the big Ten. <laughs> yeah. so you've been at Mackey when we've been at the low you've been at Mackey we'll be right. at the high. what's it like playing in Mackey playing against Purdue oh man like Bro, it was dead when y'all was at the, <laughs> when y'all was at the bottom, man. It was dead. I'm not gonna cap. Like it was, yeah. I mean, yeah. From what I remember, because I think it was my first two years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that it was. You guys weren't very good, but then like it just like switched. Like my junior year, all of a sudden going there, and it's like a packed house. It's I mean, it, it's, it's, it's one of the best basketball environments in all of college basketball, man, just because it's, it's unique. You've got the fans that just feel like they're right on top of you, man. Um, you know, they're passionate, they're loud, the student section's crazy. But, yeah, man, y'all, y'all at the end of my career, man, y'all had some really good teams. And to, to, pull, it, to pull, it, pull it around that fast, man, like, that's a credit to you and, all the veterans that stuck around through the tough times. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. We we went to we were low, like coach would say, one of the coaches would say, we are lower than well shit. You can't get any further. <laughs> 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 you know, your time in the Big Ten, obviously you scored a lot of points. So you did a lot of good things. Defense is a attack to you. What were some of those games that you looked forward to that you just felt like you were going to get off? You knew going into that arena or that team, it was always going to be a good one. Yeah, like, so when I was talking about Pete Nance, you know, being a second-tier big, I felt like at the time I was a second-tier guard. Because mm-hmm. um, when you talk about first-tier guards at the time, it was Melo Trimble, it was Yogi Ferrell, um, you know, Trey Burke when he was there, D'Angelo Russell when he was there. Um can't think of, uh, you know, Denzel Valentine. So I, I love those matchups. Like I, that, those were the matchups when there was, you know, Petaway as well. Um, when I would go up against those guys, man, it was, I'm just a competitive dude. And, you know, I felt like I came in with a chip on my shoulder and wanted to prove like I was just as good as those guys, even though, you know, I wasn't, maybe I wasn't, but I, in my mind, I was, you know, as a player and, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to have some really good games against Yogi. I never, I never played well against Maryland because Rashid Solomon and their athletic bigs kind of gave me some problems. Um, 
we were talking about that yesterday, how you guys used to sit in that drop coverage, man. But uh, yeah, man, I, I would say that. that that was from a competitive standpoint, man. I love, you know, just trying to prove myself against like those those top tier guys. I don't know if you felt the same way. I'm just curious. Melo Trimble got every call, right? Oh, yeah. Every call. Oh, yeah. Even as a freshman, he would get every call. I think he had an art, though, of, of, of how to draw fouls. Like, he, he, he had the art, the skill set of, like, he would get into you and ride you, ride you, ride you, and then just, like, flail his arms, and your hand would just kind of be there, and you try to get it out, and it was, they call it every time, man. He, he, was, he was crafty, man, for sure. You just talk about that a lot, especially when he came in the league. I started to pay attention. I, it, it used to blow my mind that a freshman was getting those calls. Right. Who was your favorite arena to play in? Oh man, I I would say, man, man, I would say Indiana just because of the historical factor of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I in my sophomore year, that was kind of like we won at Indiana. I made some big shots down the stretch. That was kind of the moment where I became like where I solidified my spot as a as a starter and as a, as a as a key guy. For Northwestern. Um, up until that point, I was coming off the bench my sophomore year. Um, had, you know, it was kind of up and down minutes-wise. And then when we won that game against Yogi and those guys, Will Sheehy, I think that was that was kind of the moment that I became a player. So I have good memories there. You know, had a lot of good games against Indiana. So I would say uh definitely there. That's a tough win on the road. It is, man. It is that like those fans. I mean, Purdue fans is. I mean, just Indiana basketball, man. I'm always like envious. Like I didn't grow up in Indiana in some regards, just because of the basketball. Like I love being in Indiana. I'm excited to be at the Big Ten tournament, man. Just the the environment, the passion for the game. It's it's always fun to be around. Oh, that's what's up. So, and just a quick question too about Northwestern. What was your relationship? relationship like with coach Collins what's he like oh I'm, man I mean I've only met him once he was um yeah I tell everybody he was super cool to me just meeting him that one time kind of feeling his energy I will play for him so what's that like man I mean he's I mean I, I would consider him like a father figure to me like uh like no exaggeration just I mean um you know one of the things is we came from similar backgrounds with our dads you know my dad being a former NBA player former GM now assistant coach in the NBA his dad obviously you know being a hall of famer legend and Doug Collins um so I think we connected instantly because of that because we just had this passion for the game and we love to compete and you know the stereotype with Northwestern too was like you know how much do the players really love it and so I think he saw right away, I made a lot of mistakes. You know, I was, I took a lot of bad shots, didn't play great defense all the time, but I think he saw that I loved it. Like I wanted to be as good as I possibly could be. And I think we just connected off of that. Um, you know, he, he was there for me through a lot. I mean, just helping me even now you know, helping me get with the Big Ten, like, it's, it's like a family thing, you know, like, uh, his wife and my wife are always, you know, texting and things of that nature, like, it's, it's a family thing, you know what I mean, so it's like, uh, you know, I, I'm always appreciative and grateful for the opportunity and our relationship, more importantly. No, I feel the same way about paint, and I, I chuckle, because 
my wife and his wife have built a sort of a relationship where my wife looks forward to seeing her and whatnot. What's that leads me to something I didn't even think about before this, but talk about how, because I'm sure you could have left at any point in your time, mm-hmm. transferred, went to a different school, maybe thought you would win more games or whatever. But how important is it to you in your life that you stayed at Northwestern, was able to build that relationship with Coach Collins, and you didn't necessarily transfer? Although myself, I mean, after my freshman, sophomore year, I was thinking, but my phone just wasn't ringing. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, but, what was that like for you? So, it's funny, man. So when I came out, or excuse me, when I finished my junior year, I was a grad transfer. And the 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 talent pool for shooting guards that year was really low. And so I was the highest ranked person that could potentially transfer at that shooting guard position in the country. And so I remember my dad telling me, hey, you know, Gonzaga wants you, Louisville wants you, Auburn wants you, all these teams. Um, did I think about it? Yeah. You know, I, I definitely thought about like, man, to play at one of those blue blood schools. But I mean, staying was the best decision I could have made for sure. I mean, and you just touched on it. It's bigger. It's bigger than basketball. Right. Like trying to build a culture. Obviously, I wasn't on the NCAA tournament team, but, you know, my senior year, we win 20 games, gives them the momentum to go make the first NCAA tournament team. So I felt like I was a part of that. Coach Collins texted me after the birth, said, hey, this is just as much your NCAA tournament birth as us. You know what I mean? Like it, so it's stuff like that, you know, you just take pride in like building something bigger than yourself. Like if I would have went to Gonzaga, okay, maybe I go to a final four, maybe come off the bench, average eight points a game, something like that. But it wouldn't. It, I don't think it would. It would mean the same as is staying and, and trying to build something, and you know, not uh, fully being a part of history, but you know, starting that trajectory towards them eventually becoming part of history. No, I get exactly what you're saying because even though you weren't on that team, people cannot delete you out of history that helped that team get there. Because I mean, those right. dudes, like the Macintosh, like. I remember Vic, like the big law, like mm-hmm. you had to look at you when you were there and learn those tendencies, learn, I mean, shit, just learn how to win. Right. So, I, I, I definitely, cause I felt the same way. Purdue, we, we got, we got, we turned it around. And then after I left, they won the big 10, the very next mm. season. <laughs> a piece of me was like, dang, I should have took like an injury red shirt, been a part of it or something. But coach reached out to me after that too, and kind of said similar things. So I definitely, um, right. I get what you're saying. And then now, I mean, obviously you still got your Northwestern hat. You still welcome at the university. You know what I mean? They're going to treat you like. Exactly. You know, in the community, the town, they know you, they're comfortable with you. So always the same exact sentiments. I always preach that same thing. Yeah. And then especially now, like with the, you know, guys just jumping ship, like just as soon as some adversity hits, you know, like I would just say like for young players, man, like look at yourself in the mirror first. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't blame the coach. Like, maybe there is a vendetta there with the coach. Like, that, there's like you alluded to. Like, you know, like there there's sometimes there's just stuff there that you know like needs to be ironed out or that you could. But I think the first thing is you got to look at yourself. And how can I be better? Right. How can I get myself on the court and be a productive player for this program, for this team, or for wherever I'm at? You know. 
and and not try to make excuses. No, that's true. No, that's real. That's real. And just going back to the Big Ten, Trey, before you get out of here, a couple quick questions, quick hitters. Who wins the Big Ten? I say Purdue. Big Ten tournament. Hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little different here. I'm gonna go. Hmm. I actually, I'm gonna go Iowa. Why? I I I just think they're a team that's built for tournaments. I think that um, I think they could because I I believe they're they're the eight seed if I'm not mistaken. Like so, they would play probably play the first seed. Yeah. Purdue. <laughs> yep. Uh, and you know, it's like I I just think they could mix things up. I really like their zone. I really like just the versatility that they have. They have some guys who can get buckets off the bench. Like, I, I just think they're they're a tough team to prepare for. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, a wild card guess there for who's going to win the tournament and go Iowa. I like that one. Who gets the farthest in the NCAA tournament? I will say Purdue. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on this on this podcast or on this podcast. Uh <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think guys are bought in. You know, I think I think there's just a collective understanding of what it's about for this season. Painter's done a great job of 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 getting everybody to share the ball, and and you know, yeah, I think with the shooting as well. I, I really like Purdue going to the Final Four this year. I, I like them going to the national championship, and then obviously I feel like in the national championship, you just never know anything could happen. Um, but I like Purdue in the national championship. I'll say that. All right, two, just two more for you. These are a little more random. Coach of the year in the league. For me, it's Steve Peichel. I mean, I, I just think from where that team was to where they are now, I think if they, as long as they win, I would say three or, I don't know how many games they have left. As long as they go over 500. These last couple of games, I think Steve Pico. I think you could also say Greg Gard. Um, I think it's hard for me. It's hard to give it to like Painter and Underwood because those we knew what those teams were going to be. I think you always kind of got to give it to a guy who took a team that wasn't going to be wasn't expected to be much and have them atop of the Big Ten. No, nah, that makes sense. And just I got two more for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you good? Defensive Player of the Year and Freshman of the Year. Well, we saw the freshman of the year last night, Brandon. I, I like Bryce McGowan's, but I think Brandon won it last night. I, I really do. I think, man, he, he, he's he got that killer, man. He's got that, like, want to, you know, like, seeing him, like, go get the basketball, run a set, like, not even look at the coaching staff, man. Like, that was – that showed me something. Like, yo, this this kid is really about that action. Um and I think he's deserving of it. He's had enough good games um, this season. Um, defensive player of the year. Man, that's tough. I, for me, man, you know, like, I, I could be – I'm going to be a little controversial. I think Caleb McConnell – Caleb McConnell has gotten 30 ball too many times for me to be defensive player of the year. Like, he's a good defender. He's a great defender. But, like, you can't get 30 ball for me. Like – I'm watching, you know, there was a stretch, man, like four or five games in a row, you know. Obviously, I know he's a leader in steals. Man, I I, I don't know. Who do, who do you got? On my team, I go 
I'm going Keegan Murray on the on there, EJ Liddell in there. Um, I put Caleb McConnell in there. I put mm-hmm. Jamari Wheeler in there, and Seth Lundy. That would be five for me. You know who I would give it? I, I like Seth Lundy. Yeah, I like Seth Lundy. He, I he, like he, Seth Lundy for defensive, especially if if Penn State can win a few of these last games and be like hover around five hundred. I think he should get it. Yeah, I really do. And I and just because you talk about McConnell and getting those points on him, McConnell, but but also McConnell being the steals leader, like Seth Lundy, his defensive numbers as far as blocks and steals, they're not going to jump out at you. Right. He plays defense in a similar way that I did. That I'm not trying to steal the ball from you. I'm just trying to make you go under your field goal percentage and not right. towards your average. And you look at the guys that he's guarded. No one gets their average. And if you do, like, Keegan Murray got 18 or something like that. But Keegan Murray took 19 shots. 19, exactly. So, that's that's the key right there. And I don't think – I don't know if he's getting that recognition because they're not winning the games. But if you actually – like, Jameson Battle in that first game they played Minnesota, he only gets eight. You know what I mean? He just completely took him mm-hmm. out of the game. Jay Nivey, I think he only had 12 or 13. I mean, he's – right. I don't think there's been a many guy, even Ryan Harper. Ryan Harper, I think, went scoreless at Penn State. So I don't think there's been a guy. I was just going to say, I saw a stat going exactly to this point. I, someone put a stat on Twitter. I don't no one, none of his matchups have scored over their average. This was like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, within the last two weeks that's changed. But up until, I mean, that's how many games? Like 20, 20 three games of doing that like that's that's not by accident that's not a mistake right and I like he and he embraces it like he he wants to be defensive player of the year and you know like yeah. when I got defensive player of the year I didn't even I didn't know I was up for it like I didn't before the season that wasn't something I set out to do but he has seemed to set out to do it and he's scoring he's their leading scorer so he's doing it on both ways I think mm-hmm. him Johnny Davis when I think of best two-way players in the league, those two come to come to mind. But I'm just not sure how to. I don't. I think the coaches vote on defensive player of the year. I don't know if they'll take win-loss factor into it. But right, strictly right. one-on-one, guard your man, still play help side. I think he, McConnell, EJ Liddell, Keegan Murray at the rim because Keegan Murray's getting you two blocks, two steals. Right. And yeah, he locks up. He locks up. Yeah, he and Hillman. He and EJ Liddell seem to take personal battle serious when it comes to the yeah. other bigs. And like Keegan Murray, they played Minnesota the first time. Minnesota, um, Payne Willis, I mean, not Payne Willis, Jameson Battle gets 20. So after mm-hmm. they play him the second time, Jameson Battle, I think, got two. And that was the first thing wow. Keegan Murray said in the postgame. He said, He gave me 20 last time. I couldn't let that happen. And I so love I think, that. I think that approach is kind of what sets him apart a little bit, too. So. Yeah, I, I, we need more of that approach. I, I want to see more of that, like in the media, those those personal matchups. I think that's what makes college basketball fun. That's what right. makes basketball fun. Like you think about when you are hooping with your boys, you know, at the gym. Like that's what makes it fun. Like when you talking trash. Like when you uh, you ain't getting this bucket. Like those are the types. Of, I think we need more of that, and we should embrace that in college basketball. No, I feel you. I feel you. But, uh, Trey, I appreciate you taking the time joining us. I know Boiler Nation looking forward to hearing what you got to say about Purdue, but also the league. Uh, but also good luck the rest of the season. I mean, obviously, I'll be right there with you, but I'm glad so, that you know, you're doing great. I'm glad that you're a part of the network, and I look forward to finishing it out. Likewise, man. You're doing big things, bro. I appreciate you. 
Oh, uh, yeah, no doubt. For everybody out there, boiler up, hammer down. We got a big one at Michigan State. Hopefully, Purdue can finish out the season strong, win the league, going into the Big Ten tournament. Until next time, Rayfield Davis podcast, we out.